Wow. So, there's a lot of people here. All the family, how many of you got family in town? They're here with you tonight. That's good. You see all the grins on grandparents' faces and moms and dads. It's fun. This season is one that is, it's a fun season. And I don't know about you, but I think it continues to get longer and longer and longer. Okay? Um, I'm guessing now we're back to like Halloween is when it starts. Is that right? Okay. Some of you guys are like, nope, we don't do anything until after Thanksgiving. How many of you are the people that you will not set up one thing until the last bite of turkey is gone? Okay. How many of you, you answer the door at Halloween with a Santa suit on? <laughs> My aunt does. That's why I just, I mean, she has the whole game. She hands out candy with Christmas music going and Christmas lights everywhere. But this season is, uh, it's a pretty fun one. And, you know, it's, it's fun, especially, too, if you're a kid, okay? How many kids do we have in here? Just go, ah! I loved it. When the older people in the room just went, ah! I love that, okay? But Christmas for kids is a blast. How many of you guys remember Christmas time as a kid? And the whole expectation that starts building, you know, as you get that list out, and you start writing down everything that you expect to receive on Christmas morning, Right? I don't know if you have kids and your kids are like ours, but it starts the minute that that catalog comes, that for us now it's Toys R Us or the Walmart circular that's like, a, you know, a novel thick now. And so we, we look at our kids and we're like, you know what, go ahead, circle some things like so we have an idea of what they want, you know. And so they go through the book and they start circling. And sooner or later, as you're looking through the book, I'm like, okay, did you hear me right? I said circle the ones you want and you circled all the ones you didn't want. Because the whole book's full, so I'm like, you can't obviously want all of this, you know. But they, they end up looking at it going, we expect everything, right? But it's, it's fun when you think about Christmas, and you think about seeing Christmas through the eyes of a kid. Well, this, this week I kind of came across something that was pretty funny, and um, I wanted to share it with you guys today. And it, How many of you guys like late night television, confession time? It's okay. Jesus loves you still, Okay. Well, anyways, um, if you watch Jimmy Kimmel, last year he did this thing, and uh, he encouraged parents to do You know what? Instead of me explaining it to you, why, why don't I just show you and let him explain it? Last week, uh, I issued a challenge. I asked the parents of America to put, pull a little holiday trick on their children. We did this on Halloween with candy and got a lot of response to it. So we did it again, this time for Christmas. I asked parents to tell their kids they were going to let them open one present a few weeks early. But instead of a good present, I said... Put something the kids won't like in the box and then upload a video of that to YouTube labeled, Hey Jimmy Kimmel, I gave my kids a terrible present. And a lot of people did do this and um, they did give their kids terrible presents. And a lot of the kids, surprisingly, reacted poorly to that. Open it up. You didn't want that for Christmas? You're stinking parents! Take it back where? This is yours. I want a refund. It's a half-eaten sandwich. Isn't that what you asked for? No, I asked for your toy. What did you say about Santa? He put it on the naughty list. Why? Because you gave me a stupid hello, get it, Jen. It's yours. What did you get, Jason? Some black beans, cheese, and a Waffle House hat. What's in there? A Santa. Oh, you got a Mr. Potato Head. They're from Santa. They're not. Did Santa I... did not have 
that? Oh. You stupid bird! I hate you! I hate you all! <laughs> what? I got ponies! Oh, that was your great-grandpa's camera. I got ponies! Hey, what's mm -hmm. guys? What's wrong? You're not excited about your I presents? I got ponies! really hard about what to get you this year. Well, you didn't do a very good job. <laughs> Toothpaste. What are oh. these? Deodorant. What's deodorant? Keeps her armpits smelling good. She's going to get hair. Are you happy? Do you like your Christmas present? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a 3DS. And oh, a, you got a 3DS. And a Mr. Potato Head. That's what you wanted for Christmas. No, a 3DS game. This is not the one that we get used up there. It's so weird that you give us the award. I'm going to just throw this away. That's what you wanted, Sean. You gave me the board to stop. And you guys are starting the worst. <laughs> I'm sure none of your kids would react that way. I, I don't know if you caught it at the end, but that kid, he goes, he got the best. And he, he's playing at the potato. So I guess it's all perspective. But, uh, you know, kids, I mean, they, like I said, they wake up every morning, or Christmas morning, expecting to receive what they ask for, right? And uh, I know all of us as adults, too, I think if we really were honest, we all have a little secret wish list. And we hope that on that morning we still get a present, and most of the times we're easily like disappointed because, well, we didn't get it, you know? And so, but what's interesting about this time of season for me, and just thinking about this, is that for kids, this season's really a time just to, to wish, to hope, to expect, to believe, and not just believe for anything, but believe for the impossible, right? When some of our kids circle the certain gifts, you're like, well, hopefully Santa comes through, right? But it's just one of those things you sit there and go, there's something about this time and this expectation, this hope that comes. You see, when I'm thinking about the Christmas story, the, the two things that really stick out to me about this story is it's one of hope and one of expectation. You see, Christmas, for me, it's really about miracles. This week, we, are, um, we spent some time as a staff and we were reading through the Christmas story and and it was interesting because as we got through to, to the end of our time, and Gail just said, how do you do to keep, you know, this story central in your home this time of the year? You know, because it's so easy to get caught up in all these other things that Christmas is, but it's really not when we look at our lives and we look at our lives as believers. And so we started thinking, and, uh, you know, I, I started saying, you know, we try really hard with our kids to, you know, get them to do something to give. You know, so whether it's like an Operation Christmas Child book or, or box, or if it's uh, the ornaments we did for Catherine Cobb, or if it's the Eyes at Sea catalog and sponsoring a kid or doing something like that, we really try to do that. And, and one of the reasons why we really try, and I, I think sometimes we kind of miss it, but 
I think that the reason is, is because if any of you have ever been to a third world country, like you know that Christmas is not the same there as it is here, right? And so I don't know about you, but I have this like thing inside of me that is always discontent, like not content. Because it's like what we're doing here, over here on the other side of the world, this, things like this don't happen. You know, kids are still looking for food and over here we got kids that are opening up and not happy because they got a potato, you know. But the thing is this, Christmas, Christmas is just one of those seasons where for me it seems like, as we talked about this the last week, it really seems to me like it's a time where the kingdom of God comes a little bit closer. And you see it kind of in, in people, in their demeanor. It seems like people love a little bit more, right? It seems like there's a lot more peace during this time. It seems like in this time, there's in this like really giving spirit, you know? How many hear bells in your sleep, you know, because you spent too much time at the malls or at places, right? And we put, you know, a little bit of change in here and we, we give and we, we continue to give because that's the thing to do. And you know what's really cool about that is that that's who our Father is. That's who our Heavenly Father is. He's loving. He wants us to live in peace, right? He wants to give his children good gifts. And so one of the things I thought about this, this Christmas was this. Every morning I, I wake up on Christmas, and I, I can have one of two attitudes. I can be really happy and enjoy the time that I have with my kids. Or I, could, I can literally look at it through a lens of like, man, this really stinks because, you know, I mean, you can think of all these other things and why, you know, why it's not as good or why things could be better. But if Christmas is really about hope and expectation, maybe things look a little bit different this year when you get to sit down and you see the joy and the laughter that comes as a kid opens up a gift that they ask for. Or maybe for some of you, it's the expectation of a son or a daughter walking back in through the doors that they they left and vowed to never come back. Or maybe for some of us, it's just the simple fact of having your family together. You see, I think sometimes we get lost in all the, the Christmas stuff. But I think a lot of times, all the Christmas stuff isn't really bad after all. Because it creates in us this expectation. And if we look at it through the lenses of God's eyes, I think sometimes we look at it and go, there's expectation being built. There's joy. There's peace. There's love. And so, I want to end by, by saying this. You see, this season creates a time of high expectations. It's a time of the year that nothing else matches. This is the time where everybody's expecting, expecting something. It's a time to believe that anything is possible. And really, we just want to believe that Christmas is still about miracles. And the truth is, the miracle you're looking for may not look the way you expected it. So for little kids that opened a gift that they really didn't want, the gift that they, they got didn't come as they expected. For these prophets and for these people that were looking for a Messiah, it didn't come as they expected it to come. Because they expected him to come in a way that they always thought he would come and he would be this king and he would take over the world and, and everything would be good. But it came in a form of a baby lying in a manger A miracle sitting there. And today, I want to ask you, what are you expecting?
What kind of expectation do you have of this year? What kind of expectation do you have for the morning that happens tomorrow? Because all of us wish that we could have a Christmas full of miracles. And we wish that the impossible could really just happen again. The band's going to come and they're going to sing a song that kind of helps bring all what we just talked about here for the best 10 minutes together. But I hope this Christmas you come expecting God to do some incredible things. There's a story in the, uh, in the New Testament, which I really, it, when we talk about expectation, to me it was the story that just came to mind, especially when we start talking about heaven is here, a little bit of heaven is here. And so in the New Testament, there's the story of John the Baptist. And in Luke chapter 7, uh, it tells us that, and I want to contextualize a little bit here, but it tells us that John was in prison and he is looking for, you know, his, his message was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so he developed some disciples, some followers of him, and, and they went out across, you know, his ministry was to go out and to proclaim to the people this message that said, it's time to repent because this prophecy, this is, is coming true. The Savior, the Messiah is coming. And it's time to repent because the kingdom of heaven is near. And so, as he goes and, and proclaims this message, he keeps high integrity with his message to the point and landed him in prison, and it was going to cost him his life. And as he's in prison, he hears, hears about his cousin, Jesus, proclaiming this message that he is the Savior, that he is the Messiah. And John gathers a couple of his disciples and, and sends them out to uh, to Jesus to ask him this question, are you the one? And in Luke chapter 7, we read about this, and it says that John's disciples told him about all these things, and what he was talking about, all these things that this person of Jesus was doing. And so, as they share this with him, he calls two of them, and he sends them to the Lord to ask, are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else there's that word expect we're waiting in, ex- in this expectancy we're waiting for something to happen we've been waiting you know we, we re- we've read the prophecies we've read Isaiah we've read all these things and we know that this Messiah is going to come and he's going to be our king and he's going to set up his throne and he's going to release us from uh, you know this this oppression and so he asked them are, are you the one are you the one or should we expect someone else? And so when the men came to Jesus, they asked him that question. They said, John sent us, John the Baptist sent us to ask you, are you the one who has come or should we expect someone else? And at that time, Jesus had been healing people, doing all these things. And at that very time, in verse 21, it says that Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits. And he gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John what you have seen and what you have heard. The blind are receiving sight. The lame are walking. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised. And the the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. 
And so the question comes, you know, are you the one? Jesus, or John sends that question out, are you the one? Are you the one? And, and, and let's, let's just be, let's, let's be human for a second, okay? Let's take the Bible and let's really be human because if you and I were John the Baptist and we were sitting in this dark prison, and, and, and I'm going to let my mind go because I don't, I'm not so sure. Uh, I've never been in prison, thank goodness, and hopefully I will not be. But I don't think those prisons were like what we have today. And I'm not saying today's are like, you know, hotels and things like that. But I, what I imagine prisons being like in those days were very dark, damp, cold, very um, nasty. That's where my mind goes when I think of prisons back in this time. And so you have John the Baptist that's sitting in prison for something wrong he did? No. For something, uh, the integrity of his message saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is coming. The kingdom of heaven is near. And so it lands him in prison, and he's there. And I can't, you know, what, what crosses my mind with John the Baptist, I think there's this, this, like us all, like every single one of us sitting here at times where we question, where we say, is, is, is Jesus really Jesus? Is he really the Savior? And so he sends out this message, and I think there's a couple things that I, th- I believe that contribute to, his, to some of this, a little bit of this doubt or this question going out to Jesus. And, and again, I'm just kind of looking into this, but one of those questions would be, what about me, Jesus? I'm doing your work. I'm doing what I've been called to do. I'm doing what God has called me to do, and yet I'm landed in prison. You're over here healing the sick. You're over here allowing the, the lame to walk again. You're casting out evil spirits. You're, you're allowing people to see that's been blind. Hey, I'm in prison. You think you might share some of the good wealth and come over and free me? Why don't you come over and free me? I mean, I think, you know, I'm not so sure that's a far stretch. Now, again, I'm telling you that's my perspective. I'm kind of looking into the Word and saying, I wonder if John, if those thoughts kind of cross John's mind, thinking, if you're really the Savior, don't forget about me because I've got some conditions over here that I'm really not enjoying. And so I, 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 think, that, I think that's not a far stretch to say that or to think that. And so he, he sends out two of his disciples to say, are you really the one? His disciples come back and they report what they saw. Hey, the lame are being healed. The blind, the blind John, are, are, are receiving sight. Evil spirits are being cast out of people. Spirits that people have been dealing with for you know, years in their life, they're being cast out. The lame are being able to walk again. This person, Jesus... Is doing some mighty things. In fact, he's doing what he said he was going to do when he stood up in the temple and read from the scroll that said, it found in, uh, uh, he, he quotes from Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2, when he says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me. To do what? To proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord. He was doing exactly what the prophecy said would happen when this Messiah came. This prophecy that described the Messiah, that's exactly what Jesus was doing. And so when John's disciples went back to say, hey, John, he's fulfilling the prophecy. It's him. He's come. 
I think in that particular situation, and we know this for sure reading the Word of God, and and Pastor CJ already said this, there was this misperception that when Jesus came, we've talked about this many times here at church, but there was this misperception when when this Messiah would come, he was going to come, and pardon me for saying this, but he was going to come and he was going to kick some butt is what he was going to do. He was going to free them from all this tyranny, the political tyranny that was taking place. No longer would they be under the boot of these other nations, but they would once again be the mighty nation of Israel like they used to be during the days of King David and and, and that time where people feared them. And they would once again be the political power that they used to be. That's what people thought he would be when this Messiah came. That's not the Messiah that God was sending. God was sending the Messiah to say, I'm going to destroy death once and for all. The tyranny that sin has in humans' life, I'm going to give freedom. I'm proclaiming the good news that this isn't going to be, this isn't going to be, that what's happening around us is not the way it's going to be. My government will rule forever with peace. And on and on. This whole different scope of the Messiah. And so I think John, at that time when he was asking the question, and, I, and again, guys, I think all of us, if we we're very honest with ourselves, there's times where we look into our lives and we say, God, are you really big enough? We just saw, if you have been attending here in the past couple of weeks, we saw a powerful story of someone who, when I heard her story, it was, that was the question to me if I was in that situation like, God, have I crossed the line? Are you really big enough to take on my junk? Are you really big enough to stoop down and get messy and forgive me of my garbage and restore me once again to that person that that, that you've created me to be? And I think at times we can doubt that. And we can say, you know what, I've crossed the line. And I'm not so sure God really wants to pursue me the way that we hear. Or we may question, we may be diagnosed with cancer, or we may, something really horrible like that may happen within our lives. Some of you have received that news over the Christmas holidays, and it just stops you, it just stuns you, it just, it just brings you to a halt. And everything, perspective has been changed. And sometimes we stand and we say, Why? We look at things that's been happening in our, in our world, such as in Connecticut, and we stop and we ask the question, and I think deep down we wonder, God, are you not in control, or are you? How could you not stop that? Of all things, how could it happen to young lives? God, it's not right, it's not fair, it should never happen. And, and deep, deep down, I think sometimes if we would just be honest, I think there's sometimes where we say, God, are you really there? Are you really in control? Do you not see some of this stuff that's happening? And I think it's the same, maybe some of the same thoughts that John the Baptist had and said, you know what, I'm giving my life to this. I want to know if you're really the one. Or should I be expecting something else? Someone else. And John's disciples brings back this incredible message of, heaven is here John the Baptist message was repent for the kingdom of heaven is 
is coming, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is here now. I'm here. He also told his disciples, if you saw me, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You're seeing heaven. I'm here. I'm God. I am. And so this message comes back to John that the prophecy is being fulfilled. And I think John might have looked at that and said, I can die for that. Again, I'm just kind of thinking about that. I can get behind that. And so guys, this season, Christmas season, what are you expecting? Are you expecting and realizing that the King has come? And there are glimpses of heaven at hand. Those of us that have Jesus Christ living inside of our hearts where we have surrendered and we have said, my life is yours. Do with me whatever you will. My life is yours. As we go out with that light within us, people in this dark world that have no hope are seeing glimpses of heaven. And Jesus is saying, Look around. Heaven is at hand. Heaven is at hand. The King has come. What are you expecting? I pray that this might be a time, this season might be a time where you really reflect. And this might be one of the most intimate Christmases you've ever had with God. Because you realize that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And as we go out into our world, people are seeing glimpses of heaven. Snapshots of heaven because we've been changed. We've been absolutely changed.